drugs. That tasty dopamine hit you get when you reach your high. In the immortal words of Nick Soze, I don't do drugs because I might like them too much. I'm Frank Martinez from This Really Happened, where we tell true stories and how they've affected our lives. In today's episode, we are talking about getting high. Stay with us. The beans are about to be spilled. Every drug used recreationally reproduces one of the four stages of sex. Desire, arousal, orgasm, or resolution. These are my opinions, but when I put it into this perspective, I can see why drugs are so addicting. I generally, for my entire life, stayed away from drugs. Like I said in the beginning, Nick Soze always said he doesn't do drugs because he might like them too much. And I took those words to heart so much that I didn't even start smoking until my 18th birthday. The reasoning behind that was I did not want to get addicted to something that I wouldn't be able to buy whenever I wanted it. So January 23rd, when I turned 18, I bought my first pack of cigarettes. My first pack of cigarettes was a pack of Newports. By this time in high school, everybody was smoking, smoking cigarettes, smoking weed, doing other kinds of drugs. And I never really got into that. I've had cigarettes offered to me before I was 18, and I've refused them. On my 18th birthday, I smoked my first cigarette. It was absolutely disgusting. I took that first deep breath. (sighs) (coughs) It was trash. But this is what the cool kids were doing, and uh, I was a cool kid. So I kept on. And there started my addiction with cigarette smoke. I eventually switched to Marlboro menthol lights because I didn't really like the taste that Newports had. I remember some of my friends used to smoke uh, the Newport 100s. Jesus. Oh, man. Those things hanging out their mouth like a, like a blade of grass. Or what do the, the farmers use? They have like the little wheat stalk coming out of their mouth or whatever you call those things. Those cigarettes were long. But for the most part, I stayed away from drugs. The very first drug that I got addicted to was the knockout drug. This is a disclaimer. The process that I'm about to describe, if you do it, you are choosing to do it at your own risk. I don't want to hear in the comments. I don't want to hear in a post. I don't want direct messages saying that I killed my friend because of the process that you described in your show. Do this at your own risk. I recommend that you do not. So we're at the lunchroom one day and a good friend of mine comes up to me. We're going to call him Elbows because it's sharp elbows when we used to play basketball. You know the rules of the show, people. We can't say people's names because we can't get people in trouble. The only name that I say here freely is Wes's name because anybody that knows me knows that guy. We'll also say the names of people that have died because they can't get in trouble for anything. They already paid for it. 
So Elbows comes up to me and he's like, Cisco, you want to get knocked out? And I'm like, knocked out? I go, does it hurt? He goes, no, no, it's not knocked out like that. You take 10 deep breaths and I push on your chest and you pass out. I was like, does that work? Because there's only one way to find out. So I did, I took the 10 deep breaths. And on the 10th breath, you're supposed to hold it. He pushes on my chest. And I'm like, this shit ain't working. And boom, instantly I pass out. I wake up in a daze. I'm like, what the hell was that, man? That was amazing. Some recounts of some of my friends that witnessed the whole thing. They told me that when he pushed on my chest, I fell down onto the chair of the lunch table and then I flopped over to the side and I banged my head on the side of the floor. (laughs) And it was true, when I got up, I was bleeding from my ear. And I was like, this is amazing. So I started perfecting it. Because you know we got martial arts backgrounds. And I was like, I don't really like this pushing in the chest thing. I wanna be able to control where people fall down. Oh my goodness, man. Guess who was the first person that I showed that thing to? You guessed it. Wes. I was like, Wesley, you are not gonna believe this drug that I happened to come across. He was like, oh man, I don't do drugs. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not what you think. I was over at his house and I had an idea already of how to perfect the knockout drug. We went through the same motions. You take the 10 deep breaths. And on the 10th breath, you hold it. And then I come from behind you and I put a choke hold on you. Not the Shotokan choke, but like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu choke where you just wrap the person's neck around the meaty parts of your arm, not the bone. And then when I felt the person starting to go, I would let them go and I would guide them to where I wanted them to fall. Jesus Christ, people. I did this to Wes, he woke up and he was like, bro, I feel like I was in a movie. He goes, how did you learn this? So I told him about what happened with elbows in the lunchroom. And he was like, let me do it to you. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he did it to me. It was perfected. I passed, I told him, you know, when I start, when you start feeling me ready to go, you guide me towards the bed. So I fall on the bed. Ladies and gentlemen, It felt like the knockout was 15, 20 minutes and you're falling in slow motion. Oh my God, how many brain cells did we kill doing this? We must have done this to each other hundreds of times. Hundreds of times we must have knocked each other out and every single time it was just as good as the first one. It got to a point where we were doing it to everybody that we knew. Wes said he did it to one of his girlfriends and I started doing it with my sisters and you know I'm protecting my sisters when I say my sister or when I say my sister I have five of them so even in your best best guess it'll be a one in five of who it is two of my sisters they loved this thing the first one that I showed it to she was like oh man this is amazing 
This is so cool. It feels like I'm in a movie. The same response from my other sister. Oh man, this is amazing. I feel like I'm in a movie. This is great. Do it again. Do it again. And this happened for like two months. I was just going around the knockout pusher. I was just giving this drug to everybody that I knew. One of my sisters was like, hey, 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 before we go do anything, why don't you knock me out real quick? She wanted to get her fix. And I was like, sure. So we go through the whole process and I have her in the sleeper hold. We started adding uh, close your eyes to the thing. So people started closing their eyes and it even amplified the effect even further. My sister is ready to go. I feel her getting heavy. And I'm like, bon voyage. Have a good journey. And this girl, in the middle of her journey, tried to fight it. As she was falling back towards the bed, she tried to resist it and jerked her body forward. In front of her was a bureau, and she slammed the side of her head into that bureau and she slid down her face on the bureau and started convulsing. I was like, oh shit, I fucking killed her. I killed her. I'm gonna be in so much trouble. She was convulsing like crazy. And eventually she came to and started crying. And ever since that day, I said, I'm never gonna do this to anybody again. Which has been a lie, obviously. <laughs> I've tried to do this thing to a few other people, but a lot of people are scared of the idea of being knocked out. So I haven't really had that many uh, users, if you know what I mean. So moving on from the fake drugs. A good friend of mine growing up, his name is Rick. And he was always trying to get me to smoke weed. Every single chance he got, He's like, yo, Cisco, we should blaze up. We should get nice and toasty. I'm like, man, I don't do that kind of stuff. The only thing I do is cigarettes. He's like, it's just like smoking cigarettes. It's no big deal. You'll feel really good, blah, blah, blah. So for a long time, I was able to avoid smoking weed with him until I almost got a girl pregnant. The long story short of it, Rick was like, if she's pregnant, we're smoking. And if she's not pregnant, we're smoking. So I was put in an ultimatum there. I remember this like it was yesterday. It was snowing. And it's time to do the damn thing. I made a deal, right? It's Capone, Nick Soze, Rick, and myself. And for my first time smoking, I believe Capone smoked before that, and I don't think Nick Soze smoked before that. But for my first time smoking, Rick thought it would be a good idea to get a 50 of chronic and roll that thing into two white owls. So this thing, <laughs> it looked like a witch's nose when he pulled this thing out. I was like, Jesus Christ, what the hell is this thing? And I don't know nothing about weed. I never smoked weed before. I don't know the effects that it's supposed to have on you. I thought that was, was supposed to be instant. The second you puff it, you're high, right? So they're passing this thing around. It comes to me. And I take the two pulls real quick. 
and I start coughing like crazy. The thing goes around again, it comes back to me again. I take two pulls from that thing and I don't feel anything. Mind you, it's snowing out there and it's really cold. So I was probably high but didn't feel it. The thing comes back to me again for the third time. And I tell Rick, I don't know why you waste your money every day on this shit. This doesn't do anything. And I start hitting the blunt like crazy. Rick was like, Cisco, you don't know what you're doing. Slow down, right? I must have taken people like 15 pulls out of this thing. He goes, yo, you don't know what you've done. And I'm like, I never want to hear you talk about wanting to smoke weed again. This shit is trash. It's a waste of money and a waste of time. I get more pleasure out of smoking a cigarette. Cisco, you don't know what you've done. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking I'm all right. And the guys finish, uh, finish the blunt out and I'm not interested in doing that thing anymore, you know? So I'm like, are we done? Let's, uh, let's go in. People, when I got up, I was in tune with the revolution of the earth. I was like, whoa. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? Every step that I took, I felt that step in the middle of my other step. So it was kind of like an echo step, if you could imagine that for a second. It was a doom, 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 doom. <laughs> it was crazy. We were walking towards the school and that walk felt like it took seven years. The whole day was a blur. The only thing I remember was lunchtime. I was a bully in martial arts, I would say that. But I wasn't the type of guy to beat people up outside of martial arts. That day I was a bully for lunches. I ate four school lunches. And there was a kid eating a cheeseburger and I was like, you're going to finish that? And I literally took the cheeseburger out of his mouth and I ate it. A straight up bully. I went home. I went straight to sleep. I woke up. I was still high. I was like, is this shit ever going to go away? I did not come down from the high until I ate another four lunches the next day. After the break, we're going to talk about an overdose and how I came to understand how easy it is to overdose on drugs. It's Frank Martinez from This Really Happened. Stay with us. The beans will continue to spill. Welcome back. At this time in my life, I'm already an adult. And I was able to generally stay away from drugs. 
occasionally smoking with Rick uh, two or three more times after that. When my mom volunteered me to the Marine Corps, she said if I'm going to die, I might as well make her some money. (laughs) I was underage, so they had me going to poolie meetings every Sunday for six months before my 18th birthday, and I was scheduled to ship out February 6, 1996. During this time, Rick had convinced me to smoke a couple of times with him. You know, we went and smoked in the cloisters one Sunday where I was supposed to go to the poolie meetings. Took a nap in the woods there. <laughs> you know, munchies, whatever you, whatever you take of it. I never made it to the Marines. I went in there with high scores. I went in there already at 100% with the PE. I was able to do the three miles in 18 minutes, under 18 minutes. I was able to do the 20 dead hang pull-ups and I was able to do the 60 sit-ups in two minutes. And I had already reached the title of expert marksman. I scored 290 out of 300 in the Marine firing range. And the recruiters over there at the Harlem Marine Corps were gonna recommend me for sniper school. And they do one last physical. I cannot do a duck walk to save my life. Unfortunately, karate and basketball destroyed my knees. Maybe it was for a good thing. Maybe it wasn't. I really haven't had a reason to complain in my life. My life could have been a whole lot different if I did join the Marines. But currently right now, I'm serving my country in the best way that I could. Rick was in and out of jail. Not only was he an avid drug user, they say marijuana is a gateway drug, and he started doing harder stuff. He got into a lot of trouble for selling cocaine, and he got saved by his addiction to cocaine as well. So they put him in some kind of rehab deal, and he was able to get out in a faster time than it would have been if he wouldn't have had that problem. Fast forward a few years later, he comes out of jail. I don't recall if I lived in Indiana yet. I can't remember, man. But he calls me and he's like, Yo, Cisco, nobody came to pick me up when I left jail. I finally get home to my girl and my kids. And there's a fucking dude in my house, man. I'm fucking sick. I don't know what I'm going to do. So you know me, people. I was like, wait until the weekend. I'll be over there. And we'll kill her and bury her. No big deal. I don't know what I'm going to do, man. I don't know if I can make it until the weekend until you get here. And I believe that same night, he smoked, drunk himself to death, getting back up on cocaine, and then slamming more alcohol and more smoke. And he eventually had an overdose and died at a really, really young age. Rest in peace, my brother, man. I miss you every fucking day, man. We had a lot of good memories, man. Damn it. Let me take a quick break. Welcome back. 
I'm going to leave that time bomb for the editors to figure out. I don't know how they're going to bring me back into the story. But we are back from the break, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to continue with one last story. I was born and raised in New York. When the economy collapsed in 2008-2009, I was trying to figure out what am I going to do. I have a brand new baby on the way. And the money that I amassed from my IT career is what let me survive the first year of the economic collapse. Here comes the second year of the economic collapse, and I just don't have the money to sustain that lifestyle that I built for myself in New York. You guys remember coming to my rock band parties. You guys remember all the vehicles that I had. You guys remember all of the money that I spent on photography. I was at rock bottom and I had to figure out a way to provide for my unborn daughter. So as Scarlett was born, I made a pretty savage decision. I didn't know how long it was going to take for New York to come back from that deficit. So I started branching out to see where else that I can go. Where else in the country there has to be a place that hasn't been affected as much or there's something that I can do. I went to Florida first, and Florida was just as bad as New York. People were out there killing each other for a sandwich. I came to Indiana, and this place was untouched. Construction going on everywhere. It was amazing. So I picked up and moved to Indiana. Indiana wasn't a bad place. Yeah. Some of you might think, oh, Indiana's a little boring. I had a lot of warnings from my friends saying that Indiana was a racist place and I was going to have a hard time there. And I really never felt racism here. Everybody pretty much accepted me. And I've started making friends. The one thing I got to tell you about Indiana is that the people here party fucking hard. This isn't no punk bitch shit over here. These guys drink, do drugs, do all kinds of stuff, man. It's, it's crazy out here. So if you're looking for a place to move, <laughs> come on down to Indiana. We'll take you all. Just leave your blue thinking over there. We are Republicans here, sir. I was at Kilikev's party. And we're having a dandy old time. There's drinks all over the place, playing spades, having a great time. One of Kilikev's buddies comes through and he has this exotic Afghani weed, right? At this point, I really wasn't doing drugs like that. But, you know, if somebody has something exotic, I'm going to go ahead and take a toke or two out of it. No big deal. Man, I took two pulls out of this thing. And remember in the beginning when Rick had the, and it was Hydro or Chronic, I can't remember exactly what, what it was that Rick had in that witch's nose that we smoked. This stuff was fast acting to and This was instant. Jesus Christ, I never went from zero to 100 that fast. Well, I, in that case, I guess zero to negative 100. I was in slow motion, people. And I tell Killer Kev, bro, man, I'm not going to be able to get home. I'm, I'm, I'm destroyed right now. He goes, nah, you'll be fine. 
He goes, just do two lines of this and you'll be right back to where you were. And at this point, I was like, you know, I'm going to have to do what I got to do because I got to get home. And um, there I am for the first time and the last time, might I add. Took one snort up one nose, one snort up the next nose, and I swear to you, I was brand new as if I just got to the party. And that is how people overdose. They get blasted, they get drunk, they snort a couple of lines, they get blasted again, they snort some more lines and they keep it going all night long and at the end of the night, your blood alcohol level is at coma zone. So I don't recommend any of these drugs. The lesson that I learned from that is if I would have just stayed at that party and I would have kept smoking and drinking and whenever I felt like I was getting too low, just bumped myself back up, I would have easily killed myself that night. Drugs are something that you should stay away from. There are people that are addicted to prescription drugs. There are people that are addicted to illegal narcotics. There's overdoses happening here all the time from people doing heroin that's laced with fentanyl. If you have the opportunity and if you have the willpower, please don't do drugs. Like I said, I've been smoking cigarettes for 24 years and now is when I'm trying to quit. And it's not easy. It's not easy. And that's cigarettes. So imagine something as delicious as some exotic purple-haired bud or some puree that you guys get from Columbia Straight. That shit is delicious. It makes you feel good, but it will fucking ruin you. And that's all I got. Don't forget to like, rate, and share. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast, the links are in the description below. On next week's episode, we're talking about witnessing death on The Real Stand By Me. It's Frank Martinez from This Really Happened. The beans will continue to spill. <laughs>